Welcome to episode 37 of the Camera Shake podcast, uh, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything to do with photography, videography, making photos, making videos, filmmaking, and a whole everything that's, well, anything that's got anything to do with any of that. Um, so before we get into it, um, let me just say, if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, um, it'd be really super awesome if you could head over to YouTube and just hit the subscribe button because uh, that would be great. Likewise, if you're on uh, if you're on Apple Podcast, um, you could do us a massive flavor and just uh, scroll down and uh, write us a little review, uh, hit the star rating because that way we can make sure that our uh, podcast actually gets found in the great sea of podcasts that there is. So. Without further ado, let, without further ado, let me introduce today's guest. Uh, today we have something really special for you, or someone really special to you. Please welcome uh, Chris Alex to the show today. Uh, Chris, how are you? You okay? I'm doing good. Yeah, it's a little cold here, but we're warming up as the day goes. But I'm doing good. Cool. So when you say cold, because you're based in Atlanta, when you say cold, how cold is it actually? For me, 30 degrees is cold. I'm from Jamaica, so I don't right. like anything below 50. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> You're going to have to do the conversion for me here because you know both, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, uh, that's great. Yeah. yeah, so it's, I can't actually, I have to think about that. Uh, 30 degrees Fahrenheit, that's about, is that like about 10 that degrees there? centigrade or something like that? Times 20 plus 50 yeah. plus one. Complicated. I, I can't Complicated do it. <laughs> it is cold though. It is cold. Yes. Um, yeah. So, Chris, you are a portrait photographer and uh, editorial and documentary photographer and filmmaker. And um, you've got something that I really liked um, on your on your website. It says, always shining light on my culture, which is like mm -hmm. such a beautiful uh, little kind of phrase on there. Um, so how would you describe yourself as a photographer? So I would say I love capturing the vulnerability in people and I love bringing back my culture in whatever I do. I think a lot of times when I'm taking photographs, I like to use color because that lifts our spirit, you know, based mm. in my culture that is complimentary on our skin too. So those are the things I like to stick with now when I say always shining light on my culture. I just try to make that whole thing a full circle when it comes to my photography. Yeah, because looking at your your website and um and your Instagram, um, it's it's really it's a very sort of uh it's like, a, I mean, technically you would probably call it like a photojournalistic kind of style. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I would really call it like photographic storytelling because that's that's really the kind of impression that I, that I get when I look at that. Right, yeah. I'm not doing a lot of direction. I'm really a fly on the wall capturing what's really there. And I mm -hmm. just love doing that because it's just more authentic for me. And I've always been using natural light in my photography, so I'm not... Mm -hmm you know, accustomed to doing a lot of setup. I do do that with my commercial and editorial stuff, but I love just capturing what's really in front of me and using natural light a lot. Mm. Is that, um, is that how you started in photography originally or? Yeah. Yeah. That's how I started. I really started just using my, um, DSR, uh, DSRL with my Canon and my 50 millimeter. And I literally was just roaming around the street and just taking photos, of whatever I saw, I think it was a St. Patrick uh, parade that uh, that really like uh, lit me up. I was just so amazed by walking around and capturing people's emotions and you know everything that had to do with the the parade. Getting all that was just how it all like came in reality for me. Like this is what I want to do. So is that is that something um, 
you just fell into or is did you go to uh, to university to study photography or how did you first get started yeah so i started when i was in jamaica uh, growing up in high school i was looking at a lot of national geographic magazines <laughs> yeah. so looking at that yeah looking at that i was like wow this is amazing looking at what's going on in the world and what i saw in my own country so that kind of like sparked the flame for me but what happened was I had a lot of friends who loved me taking photos of them. So I started taking photos of my friends and my family. So that kind of built up. But when I moved to Atlanta for college, I really wanted to be a doctor, a psychologist. Mm -hmm. And then once I started to realize how much more school I had to go into to do that, I was like, oh, no, I don't want to do this. Yeah. But um, actually, my partner helped me realize that photography could be a career choice. Because growing up, you know, where I'm from, they push you to be a doctor, a lawyer, that kind of thing. They don't want you to be in that kind of artistic mm -hmm. community where you can have a career there. So I took a, a photography class in college and that was when it was like, okay, I can't really do this. How did your friends and family react when you decided that I'm going to go for photography as my career rather than, you know, say a doctor? Yeah, it was a little surprising for them, but once they saw that I was, um, I had a good eye and I really enjoyed it, they they didn't mind the decision I made to change. I mean, you know, even though I went to college for psychology and uh, my MBA, it was like, well, you know, why would you be stuck in something you don't want to do for the rest of your life? Mm. Yeah, I did, well, I did that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, you know, as I left yeah. school, I went into corporate world immediately and mm. did that for 15 years until I hated wow. it so much that and I had to leave and just do something creative. And that's what I've been doing ever since. And I'll never yeah. look back. I'm such right. a happier person now. So yeah. for, for me, sure you had experience from, from what you did with what you do now. You know, we take something from everything we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't regret it for a second. I wouldn't be yeah. able to do what I do now had I not gone through what I'd been through there. But mm. you know, right. I'm I'm definitely happier doing something that I enjoy. Yeah, it, yeah. For me, it was the other way around because I um I always wanted to study music when I was when I was a kid and I was a teenager. Yeah. And then, of course, once you get to the point where you know you're just about to kind of to get into college and stuff, you know, it's funny how like you know family and friends who've always supported you you know, through, through your teenage years, like being a musician, all of a sudden they go like, yeah, okay, that's all good. But do you want to like study something proper? <laughs> you know, yeah. first, like you go, right. but that is like, <laughs> aren't it's proper, yeah. you know, it's like, that's a proper job uh, of being a musician, you know? Yeah. So, um, so it's, yeah, it's, I, I can see what, you know, what it feels like when, when you, when you have to kind of uh, fight against that a little bit. Um, yeah. So what do you, what do you do now? Do you, is, is photography your full-time gig? So, yeah, it is my full-time gig. I do have a part-time job, too, because, you know, with the pandemic happening, right, I have sure. to make things neat. But um, I do a lot of work for uh, a local magazine in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing that. And then here and there, I get gigs for ad campaigns and stories for different um, centers, like the King Center. And um, right now, we have, like, a lot of voting activism going on. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing stuff for that. So those little things have been building up my time, but I really want to dig into, you know, doing more publications, but with the pandemic happening, it's hard to get really into it. So how has the, um, the whole pandemic, pandemic even um, affected you uh, in, in Atlanta specifically? Because it's like, 
So uh, what we see over here in Europe, right, is uh, Atlanta's been on the news a lot. Um, yeah. Because it's been a lot of a lot of stuff that's been happening. Um, of course, you know, initially with uh, things like you know protests, like Black Lives Matters uh, protests, and then of course, you know, very recently with the whole like, you know, the whole presidential uh, election yeah. Georgia thing, and you know, all that sort of stuff. So, and w whenever it always feels to me like when I watch the news or something, I always want to like. It's either the pandemic isn't happening there or, or nobody pays any attention to it. So what's the, like, how has the pandemic affected you and, and your photography over the last, what's well, almost like a year, like 10, yeah. what, 10 months? Yeah. Yeah. It's been like a year. It really slowed down for me because a lot of things that I were doing had a lot of gatherings, had a lot of people together, especially with events. So because events aren't happening, a lot of photography gigs aren't really there. There's things that people do like, all right, well, we'll have a gig and everyone get tested and everyone wear a mask until you're in front of the camera. And that's been going well, but I still think that's a little risky. So that's why I haven't been able to really dive into a lot of gigs because of, you know, the pandemic. So it really slowed down for me. I think I was, I started off at like maybe at least six, seven gigs a month. And now it's kind of down to like two, three, if that. Yeah, I mean, I say you know, I think we've obviously we've had a very similar uh, experience over here because um, we, you know, the UK went in like March, right March time, we went into total national lockdown, and it was basically oh, everything was shut. You know, uh, uh, schools were shut, businesses were shut, everything was shut, and um, and it basically photography wise for me, I, typically what I do is corporate photography. <laughs> there was no corporate yeah. stuff happening, so it right. was like. You know, it went down to zero, like within, within a day, actually, it was pretty much yeah. a day of phone calls and that was it, <laughs> you know, um, and that's, yeah. that's really, uh, ultimately, you know, why we started this podcast in the first place Yeah, was, uh, you know, because we didn't have anything better to do, <laughs> actually, to be honest, you yeah. know, um, yeah, that's how I kind of started with, uh, dabbling into film because, you know, I had the time, so I have, I was playing with my gimbal over there, learning different techniques, learning slow-mo. So then pandemic was like a gift and a curse, you know, like it allowed us to dive into stuff that we wanted to learn and, and have fun with, you know, but it did, you know, of course money, that whole part is needed, but yeah. the time to like look at your work and look at what you love to do and practice new things, that was like the, the positive of it. Yeah, that was it was definitely that was definitely true for us too. Um, you know, for us it was, I think it was, it, it was important to talk to to other people who were in the same boat mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it's it's very we kind of felt that you know it's very easy when when you sit at home and you start to get a little bit depressed about the fact that your life's just falling apart, you know. Um, yeah, and you don't really it's unless you talk you start talking to other people who experience the same thing. Uh, you may not realize that you're not the only person who's feeling like this, you know? And then yeah. when, you know, you, you start um, talking to other people and you realize, well, actually, you know, hang on a minute, we're all in the same boat here, you know, and yeah. we're all feeling like this. And so maybe together we can like talk about things and find solutions and get some ideas and make things happen. Um, yeah. And it was, you know, so um, how are you finding the gimbal, by the way? I saw a picture of you with, um, with the Ronin. Yeah. It <laughs> It's fun. I mean, I just need to learn like how to save certain settings. So like, I know if I want this effect, then I can go to that button. So I mm. want to get good at that and, and really just practice. I got to go out there and practice. I think 
Um, when you're afraid to let go of being a kid and just like play around with things, yeah. you start to realize that's when the magic happens. You mm-hmm. know, you just really start something fun and, and you get better at it once you keep doing it. So that's kind of like my goal this year to keep playing around and don't be afraid to make a mistake. It's heavy, isn't it? That gimbal. Yeah, it, yes, it is. <laughs> I have, I've, I've got the, the, the Ronin S and it's just... I have a bad back at times as well. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Yeah. Right. Sorry, that's one 10 second shot. We can have a 10 minute break. Well, so we, yeah. went out, we went out um, to, a, to a local uh, forest a, a few well, a few days ago, really, just to, you know, just to film some stuff and just have some fun. Yeah. Um, we brought a gimbal in. Um, Nick's actually very good at operating it and, and I'm, I'm not. So, um, but some of the, for some of the scenes, I had to basically shoot him with a gimbal. I found that really, that's Really tricky, man. It's really tricky, particularly yeah. if it's not yeah. 100% set up correctly. Yeah. If it's right. off by even just a little bit, you, yes. you can forget having a straight shot. And mine, does, right. does yours waver a little bit as well? Does it start going kind of off? Yeah, yeah. especially if you have a, a big lens on it. Like if I have my 16 or 35 millimeter lens on it, it's so heavy mm-hmm. and hard to balance. So I typically try to keep my 50 on it so that I can handle it with a lighter lens. And then sometimes I put a monopod on it so I can lean it on my stomach. That way oh. it's not so much on my arms. That's a good idea. That's yeah. a cracking <laughs> yeah. tip. Pro tip right there. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, going to get my men to do that. Yeah. A few years ago, um, I, did a, I did a shoot um, and I had to, at the time, I had to get a fly cam. Do you remember those? Are like, you know, it's like a stick with like a balanced thing. You get a camera on top and it's like weights on the bottom. Sort of like T-shaped. And it's, um, it's basically an old fashioned steady cam. Mm. But the, the thing about it is that, um, because you've got the camera and the lens and the microphone, whatever on top, um, mm. you've got to balance it with the same amount of weight at the bottom. So the whole thing gets incredibly heavy yeah. Yeah. and it's, and it's, it's sort of, you, you can only hold it. You'd hold it it's with one, one hand, hand as yeah. well, isn't it? Yeah. Because you're, right. you're turning the camera with your other hand. So right. all the weight is on like, one. Well, it's incredible. I did a, it was like a 20 hour shoot or something. <laughs> it was killing. Yeah. yeah. Now, I mean, we can, like, we can get away with using our phone really and just getting a small mm. handheld because our phones are so, are so, you know, professional now, the cameras. Yeah. Cool. So are you planning on getting, uh, getting more into filmmaking? Yeah. I want to dive into it more, um, a lot of inspiration comes from just watching movies. I love watching movies. So that like pushes me to like, oh, I can try that angle. I can do that. Mm. Watching YouTube, listening to podcasts, learning from other people. So I just got to do it. I think I've done my due diligence in watching and learning. Now it's just like time to stop being afraid and just try. Yeah. Because you just get it. I think you just get got to get doing it. That's the, that's the most important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I learned with shooting in manual. Like I just kept doing it and doing it. I didn't want to learn any other mode, but just doing manual. And once I started doing it more and more, I got better at it. And then that's it. You know, once you keep doing something, then you, you, you maximize how to, how to learn your camera and all that. And that's what I want to do with the gimbal. Do you sometimes feel it? Like, do you sometimes go back and, and, uh, and look at like images from like some years ago when you first sort of started and you look at them and you go, Ooh, Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> that's <laughs> terrible. That was yesterday, actually. I was looking through my um, my beginning post on Instagram, and I was like, "Why am I? Why was my light like this? Why did I pose this person this way?" Yeah, it was awful back in the day. But it, I mean, it taught me something, and now I know like how to even 
show someone or help someone out. And I kind of like doing that too, teaching the very basis of photography, you know, just from what uh, mistakes I made. So now I just like, oh, well, now I know what to do. It's it's fun now. Yeah. We like through doing these podcasts and like through talking to, to lots of different people, I think this, you know, in, in every episode, uh, every time we, we speak to a different photographer from maybe from a totally unrelated genre, um, there's always something that, that we pick up from that. And sometimes it's a technique or you know, it's a technical thing, you know, or sometimes yeah. it's just a, like an idea or, mm -hmm. you know, some kind of yeah. ideological thing where you kind of think, oh yeah, I never thought about this, you know, yeah. doing it this way or doing it, you know, or using that lens yeah. or like, you know, we were just talking about a lot of um, sort of events that, that have been happening um, in Atlanta is that it seems like from, from looking at your uh, at your portfolio, that's that's really something that you really get involved with a lot is documenting these these kind of events. Yeah. Because uh, do you feel like you're really uh, witnessing history being in the making? Yeah, absolutely. It's so surreal when I finish shooting something. I, I sit down. I realize, wow, like this is a part of history. This is a big deal. Um, shooting the um, protests in Atlanta mm -hmm. in June. You know, when you're in it, you're in it and you're you're just trying to get great photos and you're thinking about light and thinking about capturing people and getting the right angle. And then later on, you're sitting down looking at your images like, wow, no, this is real. This is a, a, an emotion that people experience. This is a time when people are, are hurting. You know what I mean? The reality and the big picture of it hits you later once you look at your photos. But during it, you're just trying to get a good photo. You're just trying to capture what's really there in a great way. And then it hits you that this actually matters. This is actually could be in a book, could be in a magazine, could be published. Yeah. And I love using photography as a voice to, you know, say what's going on and be accountable for my part in showing people what's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. It's incredibly, mm -hmm. um, like photographs can be incredibly powerful when it comes to that. You know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, and obviously there are a lot of, photographs now that are really you know historic photographs um of, yeah. of particular things like um you know that uh, photograph in was it Merming square in in china i can never remember the, the actual name of that uh where you have like one protester stopping a tank essentially oh um, you know and uh mm. and it's I, I know from from reading about this at the time i know that um that photograph was basically just one of a whole barrage of uh, of photographs uh, that were taken. It was just that one shot yeah. that just became so, you know, uh, powerful and, and, uh, um, you know, took on this, this historic importance, you know, and I think, uh, with everything that's, that's been going on in, in your city, um, you know, there are a lot of, a uh, lot of photographs that I, that I look at on, on your website, for example, where I'm thinking like, wow, like in 10 years time, we're going to be looking back at those. And it's like, you know, this, this, yeah. there's just so much more behind that. Right, um, right. So, do you like? Do you just basically decide that um, when when you know that there's there's a, there's a, for instance a protest march happening, do you just grab your gear and then and uh, and go and shoot, or is there usually do you are you commissioned to do that, or do you shoot for a magazine when you do that kind of thing? Or? Sometimes I'm commissioned, like the King Center, which is owned by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, daughter, Bernice King. Right. Sometimes I'm commissioned to do that. But with the protest, that was just based off what I wanted to do. So in my head, I was like, okay, I want to go out there. I want to capture what's going on. And I want to make sure I can tell a story with it. 
So I'm going to get wide angles. I'm going to get tight angles. I'm going to get people's emotions. I'm going to get, you know, details. I kind of think of it like a movie. Like when you watch a movie, you see the opening scene of the entire location first, and then you see a medium shot of a few people together, and then a tight shot maybe of a sign or someone holding something. So I kind of go into shoots like that with that in my mind, with that kind of game plan. Mm. I think that's a really um, good bit of advice, actually, for um, for those listeners who may be relatively new to photography. Um, you know, when it comes to to shooting um, a large crowd like this, is to really think along those uh, lines of you know wide shots where you can set the scene and you can basically tell the story yeah. of what's actually happening, um, and then medium shots and tighter shots where you can go into the detail and you can maybe you know uh, showcase like you know, emotion in, in people's faces right. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so you kind of create that context with the wider shots and then you go in to fill in the detail. Yeah, exactly. I learned that a lot from, you know, like I said, movies, but even of other photojournalists that I know that work for the newspaper and has their photos published in the New York Times, they've always said to me, you got to tell a story with these different kind of components and that will allow your viewer to be there, like to see the photos and just feel like they were there because they had all these different angles and, you know, aspects of the scene. They could kind of tell what happened and they could feel the same emotion that you capture. Mm. Do you ever find um, or receive conflicts from people you're photographing at events like that? Yeah. Sometimes people are like, no, I don't want my photo taken. And Sometimes I'll show them the photo and say, okay, I just wanted to show you what you look like. This is a great photo. And if they're unhappy, then I just show them that I deleted it, you know, just so, cause I, I have to respect someone's privacy and I, sometimes I don't want to be photographed. So I, I totally understand if someone doesn't want to have their photo taken, but for the most part, I don't have too many people saying no. Um, you know, luckily I think it has to do with my gender being a woman kind of makes someone feel less, um, it doesn't, it's not aggressive for some reason. I think someone's more comfortable with a female coming, approaching them. Mm. I guess it's less, I don't know, something about that makes somebody feel more comfortable. And I, I realize that once I see men approaching uh, people, it's, they get a different re reaction than a female. Yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit more intimidating, I think. You yeah, know, yeah I think that's what has to do with have you ever uh, run into any issues with like I don't know, security or like or police or anything like that when you were um, at these events? Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. For the most part, not really. Oh, I think what happens is once I realize there's a security guard walking around, I kind of wait for him to to go away. <laughs> yeah. and I come back to the scene to grab what I want to grab, um, just so I avoid any kind of confrontation with um, you know being on the premise of anything, but. Usually everything is public that I shoot. So for the, unless I would do drone and I haven't done drone before, but I know that gets tricky. That's when you have to kind of realize where you're allowed to shoot with drones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which in the UK is pretty much nowhere. Nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> is yeah. that how it's there? Wow. Yeah. We have uh, our drone laws are, are very, um, they're very strict. It's a little bit like Canada. It's probably even more, even stricter than Canada. Um, oh. But we've had, I don't know if you you may have seen this in the news a couple of years ago. We had a, a guy who was basically forcing planes um, to land or, or or prevented planes from from taking off at Heathrow Airport. Wow! Because he was flying a drone over the airport, sort of thing. And a um, you know there was like 
I don't know, there was like tons of police and the military got involved and they couldn't find them and all that kind of jazz. And it went on for it. Was it part of a protest, so to speak? Is it was in connection to... I can't remember, but it was it was at a time when um, London was on high alert for like yeah. terrorist attacks anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, it was, and it went on for like a relatively long time. Yeah, it went, was, yeah. went for like a whole day or something. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, they shut the whole airport down for a day. Imagine he throwed down for yeah, a day. Yeah. Oh my god, know, that's crazy. Biggest airport in the world. Yeah. Mm. And so, as a consequence, they immediately tightened up uh, the drone laws, which were pretty tight before that. But as yeah, you know, now it's like. It's almost yeah. pointless signing one. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can, you know, it's, yeah, it's tricky. So you can't really, yeah. I mean, in, in, in cities, you can't really fly at all, basically. Which is right. Kind of annoying. Yeah. Sucks. That's what made drone photography intimidating for me. The rules and then just the risk of something happening to the drone. That's yeah. why I've never dived into it. Yeah, the flying of it is actually super fun. I mean, I, I got a drone, I bought a drone a couple of years ago for a particular job. Um, and... Um, and the thing was, the thing is here, you know, uh, if you fly a drone commercially, you have to have a commercial drone license sort of a thing. And, um, but at the time I wasn't actually piloting the drone. So I bought the drone and I since own it. Um, but I wasn't piloting it for this particular job. Um, but, uh, but I kind of thought it'd be a good idea to buy one anyway, cause it seemed like a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and now really just to take it out to the, like, we have like a, like a big park where you're allowed right. to fly and, you know, fly yeah. there. The pain is, is that I could go with you to that park where you can fly it, mm-hmm. yet I wouldn't be allowed to fly it. Yeah, right, because you have the commercial license. Yeah, that yeah. sucks. It's, yeah, so it's uh, you know, never mind. Yeah. Never mind. So all we can do is watch YouTube videos of drone shots and. <laughs> 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 right, it's a bit annoying. Here. I don't think people really want to see Rickman's worth in a, in a slide. No, well, there's that. There's that. There's that. There's that. But uh, yeah, there's actually there's a funny thing. Um, that we came across in the middle of lockdown and, you know, cause the thing was like, you know, it, like in the, during the height of lockdown, we were looking for like, um, interesting stories of people doing interesting, creative things with photography. Um, yeah. you know, in a time when you had to work from home Indeed. or couldn't, or couldn't right. do anything. And so there was a guy in, I believe it was either Bulgaria or Romania or something like mm. that. And he was doing, um, he came up with this idea of doing portraits of people that live in high rise buildings with his drone. So he would literally call them up, and basically wow. say like dress up in fancy dress or something, and they lived like let's say on the sixteenth floor of some 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 high rise building, and he basically yeah. fly his drone in front of their window, <laughs> and then That's take insane. and then take portrait pictures. Yeah, That's it was cool. hilarious, mad. I love that. Really That's so good. cool. It kind of reminds me of I think it was a New York photographer where he asked everyone to get on the top of their buildings and take portraits of that. And he uses 70 to 200 and he would be across from them and take photos of, of them across from where he was. And yeah. then there was a lot of porch portraits too. It was like a porch thing where anyone that was on their porch would come by and do. The, so I saw a lot of those creative series happening, which was so inspiring too. Yeah. Yeah. How restricted were you in the middle of the the kind of sort of pandemic thing? Did you have like a lockdown in, in in Georgia or? Yeah, we had a little lockdown. It should have been longer, but the lockdown was probably probably until from March to June. That's right. when we weren't allowed to like everything was shut down besides you know grocery store and um, first responders and all that. Mm. But after that, everything was pretty much open and still is. So the restriction has completely gone down. But our numbers are going up, and I hope I hope they change their minds and they lock us down again because it should happen. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's we're, you know, we're experiencing the same thing. Like our numbers are going up. Like they're going through yeah. the roof actually at the moment. Um, yeah. higher than when they were at the start, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Crazy. All our hospitals are full. Our healthcare yeah. system is just, it's terrible. It really yeah. is. Yeah. And then, then you go outside and you see people not wearing masks and you go like, what is what going doing? on? Yeah. It's, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, just you know, I mentioned at the beginning. There's a whole bunch of uh, interesting things uh, happening. Obviously, in uh, in Georgia, you've got um, the Senate runoff elections happening as well. So that's that's like the yeah, the next yeah, that's happening. Um, I think the fifth Tuesday is the last day to vote. Hmm. So I don't know if you saw that I took some photographs of the uh, running candidate, um, Reverend Warnock, mm-hmm. but he's he's up for uh, election now, and we're hoping that. I'm hoping that he wins and John Ossoff wins. So it was cool to be, um, you know, to meet him and to hear about his, his views and, you know, what, what he can do to change around certain things in our country. So that was, that was a, uh, one of my favorite shoots for the year. Yeah. 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 Cause that, I mean, that election can have a massive impact on what's, what's happening in the Senate and, and how much um, right. uh, influence the, uh, the Democrats will actually have in the in the yeah, Senate. So exactly. Exactly. Um, like a lot we'll see what happens. That. We'll see what happens on January twentieth with, oh, yeah. with the president. It's gonna be crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're um we're following that over here like yeah. with, with great trepidation. I think. Yeah, that's yeah. a good word for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's for these things. You would, you know. If somebody like this is the, the thing that really freaks me out is like if like three years ago anybody had told like if anybody had said first of all you know oh it's going to be like you know a worldwide pandemic that's going to shut everything down is going to be total disaster blah blah and we're going to be like uh, you know uh, trying to find a vaccine like like crazy um, and then people had you know uh, told me about like w- what is happening in the U.S. in terms of government and you know the president and everything like you would have you would have thought that was a bad movie that's like a B movie mm. yes. you know. Total fantasy. Craziness. And it's just like bad news after bad news after bad news. You would really think it's like, are we really, is this really happening? Yeah. From the, from the pandemic to social justice to, you know, all of that happening all in one year. It's insane. It's really insane. Yeah. It's like 2020 for me is like a pretty, pretty much a write-off. Right. Right. I don't even want to talk about 2020 more. Like I, I saw a lot of people, a lot of artists in the community, posting their reviews and I'm just like, let's move forward. In my opinion, like, let's just make next this year, you know, uh, a better year. Let's do the right thing. I, I don't even want to look back at it too much. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I mean, you know, talking about artists, uh, both, are, both Nick and me are, yeah, our background is in music. So, um, yeah. so we came, you know, we, um, we had a, we, we had, have had a, f- a full, <laughs> full-time career in music really. And uh, we came to photography, um, or videography, as in Nick's case, you know, uh, through that, like I started, um, initially started shooting bands and I was, uh, you know, it was like a natural progression for me because I used to be on stage a lot. And then I just yeah. stepped off the stage and started photographing my friends <laughs> you know, playing on stage. Right. Um, right. And, uh, um, and so, you know, seeing a lot of my friends, um, really suffer really badly, uh, through the pandemic, you know, with especially for uh, for musicians, but but generally for artists across the board, um, you know, when when all of your your livelihoods are being taken away through no fault of your own, or actually through no fault of, of nobody's fault, really, it's not even the government's fault in many cases, right. you know, um, 
because there are no, you know, there are no earning opportunities there anymore. You know, uh, teaching, you can't teach face-to-face anymore. You know, uh, you can't play gigs, you can't play shows, theaters yeah. are shut down. Um, you know, so it's, you know, it's a, it's a really dreadful time for a lot yeah. of artists. And, um, and then of course, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, and then in, in the UK in particular, um, it was made even worse because although the government put, you know, uh, help in place for lots of different, uh, professions and lots of different, uh, parts of the economy and, and different businesses and different types of businesses, um, the arts and, and music, um, were really left behind. Um, and that was, that was really tough to see mm-hmm. and it's really tough to kind of, you know, to, to listen to, um, and to read, uh, you know, on, on Facebook and on social media in general, um, what, you know, lots of people that we knew or that, that we know, um, yeah, and to, to read that kind of post and to see how, how tough things were, were getting for them was really, that was really terrible, yeah. you know? And, uh, and then to hear, like, to hear our, um, our, ch- this, there was at one point, there was an interview with our chancellor over here. So the, the, chan- the chancellor in the UK is basically the guy, um, what would be the equivalent in the US, like the treasury secretary or something like that, or yeah. you know, yeah. finance secretary or something like that. The guy with, you know, his, his, his finger on the purse, essentially. Right. Um, you know, there was an interview where, uh, where, uh, it was said that, you know, musicians should, or artists should like retrain. Yeah. Reskill. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Reskill. And you kind of go, you, well, right. well, you know, it's, <laughs> like, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, you know, there were people like, uh, sitting there hoping for help and then you get that thrown in your face. That was just like, that was the, the yeah. hurtful. That was the final, the final straw. And then of course what happened next, um, was something that, um, that was, that made matters even worse, you know, and that's, uh, that is something where I actually came across your photograph for the first time. Um, of course, and that was, uh, there was a, a government campaign, um, uh, over here in the UK called, uh, rethink, reskill, um, reboot, something like that. Yeah. And it was, it was, uh, it was one of your photographs that had been used in, in an advertising campaign um, that basically said, uh, you know, you're, you're, well, essentially it said, so it's how I read it when I said that yeah. was your career is over, go and do something else. Yeah. That, that's yeah. how I took it as a creative. Exactly. And that's how every creative I, I yeah. know took that as well. We don't care yeah, about what you actually do and what you enjoy yeah. and what your, your career has been for the last Here's five, 10, 15, that. 20 years. Yeah. Go do something else. So to, yeah. to put some context <laughs> to that uh, for, for those uh, listeners who, who may not be um, necessarily familiar with, with it. Um, so there was a government uh, advertising campaign. Um, it was a photograph of a ballerina. Um, and uh, it said something along the lines of like, this is Fatima. Um, her career is in cyber, but she doesn't know it yet. Yeah. Right. And... Uh, the implication was that, you know, if you're a ballerina or if you're an artist, you know, your career is, is like worthless. And what you should really be thinking about is retraining and do something in IT, you know, because these apparently are the skills that we need as an economy or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and of course that really caused massive, massive uproar in the artist community, you know, or in the arts in general. It caused more uproar than the lack of help 
that the government were giving us in to begin with as creative. Yeah. And so, and, and what kind of, you know, to me made the whole thing, uh, even worse, if, if you can, if you can get even worse, was the fact that, you know, when I found out that actually the whole thing, you know, that whole photograph was just, the whole campaign was just so totally misleading. Yeah. Because, because the UK government actually used one of your photos for this campaign without your knowledge. Yeah. You know, how, like, just take us through that. Like, how did you find out about that? Yeah, the whole the whole story is, is still crazy to me. Um, like I said in the video, I'm not sure if you guys saw it. I kind of kind of had a, a small response into it, but I just woke up the, I think it was like October 12th or something like that. It was a Monday and I just had a flood of emails and calls about it and I had no idea. So I started reading more about what was going on and it just... It was just a whirlwind after that, you know, mm. learning about the campaign, seeing the photo, seeing everyone's comment and everyone's opinion. It was just, it was, it was crazy. It really was crazy. I was in a whole nother world. I couldn't believe it. Mm. Like how did that, how did that initially make you feel? Oh, I was, I was hurt. I was just, I was kind of, I, I really was like speechless at the beginning. Like I, cu I couldn't even believe it was happening. And I was just mm. thinking about you know, Desiree, the dancer. And I, I just, I was just like, wow, like this is her face, her, herself on this, on this photograph. So I just was thinking about her. And then, you know, I had to, I can't, you know, of course we're still going through this whole case, but I had to get uh, legal counsel. So I'm still in the process of that. So that's why it's so hard to like talk in detail about it, but it was just, it was hard to take <laughs> the whole thing happening and then in another country too not even where i am so yeah, yeah. Was insane <laughs> and i had a friend that i went to school with in in jamaica and she lives there now and i and she and i were messaging and she was just like yeah this is big here and i just was like wow i, I couldn't believe it i really couldn't do you think it might have been slightly easier to take had it not been for a campaign like the campaign it was for so had it been for something completely unrelated to the arts you think it would have been slightly easier to handle? That's a good question. I don't know. I guess it depends on what it would be about. Yeah. You know, if it was about something that I was for, that I supported, maybe I'd feel different. But um, I don't know. I think I think the the big picture is, you know, as an art as an artist in the uh, artistic community, we want our work to be credited. We want permission. We want you know people to to use it for the right thing. That's that, that's like the, the big goal. So, you know, if it was for something else, maybe, but I don't know, it just depends on what the context is. Cause I think the, the context is really, that's an important thing. Um, because it's, it's one thing realizing that like somebody's used your, your work for their purposes, you know, without your knowledge, that's one thing. Um, but then of course, if it's something that you're, you really, you really don't agree with, you know, then that's, that's even, that's, that makes the whole thing even harder. But then of course, also to realize that something like that, that, that then goes totally viral across the whole internet. And then like, you know, I don't even know how many, how many memes I've seen, <laughs> you know, it's just gone. It just went for, there's probably a week or so where it just went completely ballistic. You know, and, yeah, and, it was exactly a week. Yeah. It was a week of, it was nonstop. It was from that Monday to the following Monday, nonstop. It mm -hmm. really was. 
Yeah, and it's uh, you know the impact that it had. Um, I mean, you know, on one hand, of course, it had a, a the whole campaign itself had a, had a major impact. You know, like I said earlier, on uh, on a lot of uh, artists and, and you know musicians, you know, in uh, and a lot of friends of, of ours. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, the thing that was e- even that made the whole thing even worse was was to to sort of think that um, that that's a you know a government campaign because you know no matter whether whether you're you know as a citizen of any country I think no matter whether you're you're in agreement with the government or or you're not is you kind of expect higher standards from your from your government you yeah. know yeah. that's that's just the, at the bottom of it if you don't expect you know when you find out that you know the person like you know, Fatima isn't really Fatima, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, like, and it's like, I could, the whole thing is a lie. Like the whole thing, you know, it's, it's, it's just yeah. like, wow. Um, that was a, that was a real, that was a real shocker. Mm. Um, and of course, you know, as a photographer, you know, to find out that, that, that you as a, you know, photographer didn't, you know, didn't know about this and this went, this is just a, it's probably, it's probably, um, the ultimate nightmare, actually, I would probably call that. Yeah, you know. it's like a reality show. You, you don't even want to be in a reality show, but all eyes are on you. So it's 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 insane. I'm I live a private life. I'm I'm just a photographer that loves doing what I do, and then you know for that to happen, it just took me back. But I learned from it, and mm. I you know I'm still going to create what I love to do, um, and you know root for the artistic community, and that's that's what I have to continue mm. to do. So I think I mean there's there's always you know there's always lessons to be learned uh, from that I think uh, on 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 lots of different levels um, you know on a government level it's like you know don't nick photos it's as simple as that <laughs> you know um, it's, it's like that whole campaign was put together in a couple of hours one evening a whole lot you and know, they go right I'm gonna what's the quickest and easiest way that I can put this together and unfortunately that's the wrong way I mean the thing is you know uh, I think you would. You just expect better of of your government, you know. Um, I mean, of any any in any commercial settings, um, of course, you know, you would you'd uh, expect higher standards when it comes to when it comes to that, because there there are many ways that you can, you know, get hold of of uh, stock photography and um, or com- even commission photography. You know, that's it's not like it's not like I couldn't have commissioned that shoot. I've you know personally have done commissions. Of that, not necessarily of that very nature, but you know, similar uh, kind of campaign-related kind of photography. It's not, it's not, um, it's not unheard of, you know. So it's just, uh, you know, it's Mm -hmm. mind-boggling. Has has the government there like come back and and are they supporting any artists funding-wise? Has anything changed? (laughs) Does my does my face give it away? (laughs) (laughs) I think that has a no. There's been some, I mean, there's been some investment, um, into the arts. Um, it's, you know, you can always, um, we have something here called the arts council, which is basically a, um, sort of a, it's a body that distributes money, um, to the arts. And it's like, whether it's music or drama or, you know, whatever it is, um, or dance. And so it's almost like a lot, uh, different amounts of money to like venues, let's say, or theaters or, you know, or, yeah. um, music schools Good. or something like that. Because a lot of artists work on a sort of gig economy kind of basis, yeah. um, there really hasn't been a lot of help for those. You know, venues had access to some funding, you know, theaters or whatever. Um, but really, you know, the the musician just working, you know, one gig from one gig to the next gig, 
there's, there's been very little help um, for those right. guys. And, uh, um, or like, you know, jobbing actors, for example, or, you know, um, and, and that's been, that's been a massive problem is that, a lo- you know, really this fundamentally in the arts in general, you have a vast amount, like a vast crowd of people who work in the gig economy right. and without them, none of, none of the arts would happen, you know, right. um, yeah. like you wouldn't have any actors in the theater, you know, uh, you wouldn't have any extras in movies. Exactly. Right. Yeah, you wouldn't have um, anybody playing in live music in the bar, These you know, are, yeah. none of that, none of that would happen. And, and I think very often um, the way that it seemed was that, you know, the government would like support kind of the, the big movers and shakers, but, you know, the people who were really uh, responsible for, for making the, the kind of wheel turn or the wheels turn um, didn't really see a lot of that. And that's, you know, that was, uh, that was quite distressing. I've heard so many, so many stories of people um, going into other alternative professions, you know, yeah. because they had no choice because at the end of the day, you got to pay the rent somehow, you know, or, exactly. you know, yeah. uh, or feed your kids or whatever. So, but it's like, it's, it's yet another um, example of how the arts are always, they, they seem to be forgotten about, you know, uh, last or, priority. Yeah. I think yeah. that's like, like that here. It's the last priority. They don't want to mm-hmm. help with this. Cause one, they probably don't even see it as a real career. They don't take it seriously either. That's kind of like how it is here too. Yeah. So see, yeah, it's, um, it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been very frustrating. Yeah. In it respect, really has. It really has. Yeah. Um, right, let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, because I always think, you know, they're always, like I said earlier, there's always lessons to be learned from, from something like that. And I had, um, I had a, a, one of my photos got stolen, um, about six years ago. Um, it wasn't by any means as dramatic, um, as in your case, uh, it was just a, I took a photo of me on a bike and the company that made the bike <laughs> nicked that photo and used it on their website essentially. But then, uh, but then to make, to make matters worse, um, they also attached, uh, a, a false name and location to it because all of a sudden I, I was apparently I was Ben from California, yeah. <laughs> which <What>? I'm not. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Know. And of course, um, and of course that was annoying. And, and the only thing I can think of is that they nicked that off of my website. Cause it was, I know I posted that picture on my website and, uh, and on Facebook essentially. Um, and of course, I mean, these, these things happen, um, in, in your case, um, the, the photo in question, um, that was on, I believe just, just tell us, tell us how you think that, that, um, that the UK government may have gotten hold of that in the first place. Well, it's, it's a lot, honestly. Um, I think what's hard to, to do now is to talk in detail about it because I'm still involved in it. So mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah. it's still a whirlwind essentially, but, um, yeah, it's, it's just something that I found out was just used the wrong way. You know what I mean? It was just used the wrong way. And now we are discussing what options we have and, you know, we're getting Desiree involved because it was her name Fatima. So now it's like, it's like what you said. It's like, wow, this is completely turned around to something else. That's not really real. So dealing with that is is long and interesting and, and, and hard to handle. But I think we're coming out of it strong and realizing, 
you know, what our, our goals are to handle this case. Mm. So now it's just, it's still going on. So it's hard to talk about it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to, um, like what, what bit of advice would you give somebody who's, um, who thinks about, you know, sharing the the photographs because very often you hear sort of different you you hear kind of different opinions when it comes to sharing photographs. So some people say like, oh well, you know, um, photographs are there to be shared because otherwise they just live on on your uh, hard drive, you know, and then right. they're no good to anybody. Um, yeah. And other people are very protective about their work to the point where they may not share anything or um, right. you know or, or something it would have like a massive watermark across it, <laughs> something like right, that. Right, and and that's that tends to be ugly when you see big watermarks. I say, you know, if you are an artist and you're professional, you start with, you know, with the client contracts, make sure your contract has what you want it to have. Mm. Make sure you allow what you want it to allow. Make sure you put it places where you know, hey, if it's here, it can get taken. You have to be kind of aware of all possibilities. So my advice would just be, be aware of what's going to happen and what you write in the contract with your client, with the person you're shooting, with what it's going to be used for. Just kind of do your due diligence and maybe join, join a organization with a photography community so you can learn more from others. I think that's like the biggest, the biggest um, benefit in joining the artistic community, learning from other people, learning from people who are older than you, who have more experience and kind of, you know, telling you what the right thing to do is. Has that whole experience changed the way you, you do things or you, the way you think about things? Or? Mm, um, I wouldn't say so. I think um, I still love being free of my photography. I love sharing my work. I love, you know, helping people learn more and inspiring people. So that hasn't changed. I still want to be, you know, the core of, of who I am in, in, in bringing shining light to my culture like that's the big goal so i think that's that's never going to change has it has it uh, has it changed the way you think about like sharing images online or um no i think i've i've done everything the same i think i've done everything the same in terms of putting it on my website instagram so that i don't think i'm going to change that you know with my work you mentioned desiree um earlier uh desiree is of course fatima <laughs> you know, she was called Fatima on the um, on the uh, on the original um, poster. Um, how did that affect her? Because it's you know, as you said, it was like it was her face on the yeah. On the photo. You know, I would let her tell that story. I wouldn't really want to you know speak for her, sure. but um, of course, it changed her life. It changed. Um, uh, opened her eyes to what this world is. Mm. So I, I know that, but I would love for her to, you know, soon one day be able to tell everyone how she feels. Yeah. She gave a little bit of her history and her future, what she wants to do in a, a the most recent video that Flip um, kind of organized. I'm not sure if you guys saw that with her and the, um, the um, choreographer, the owner of Vibes in Motion. So that was a great video to watch to kind of get just uh, a feel of who she was and who she is and what she wants to do in the future. But I, I would love for her to tell like how it impacted her for herself. Yeah. yeah. Maybe to move away slightly from the, uh, yeah, the, the negative con- connotations of what's happened with your photo. The photo itself is a fantastic shot. It's a really yeah. great, great photo. Um, 
can you and it was t- actually taken in uh, t- uh 2017 if memory serves correctly is that right yeah can you tell us a little bit about that shoot itself? Because the, the shot is great. It's really good. Yeah, it was just a beautiful day. You know, I was um, enjoying, she's actually my cousin. So I've enjoyed all the kind of jobs that she gives me to help promote her business. So it was just another one of those shoots where I'm helping her and her business out. And we're photographing, you know, her ballerinas, her her dancers. And it literally was just that kind of day where, you know, we want to make sure we hit an authentic feel for what we want to accomplish. And that's exactly what we did. We kind of stuck to our goal of let's just be real. Let's just be um, how we really would be in a, in, um, in a regular dance session. And that's what we accomplished. You do get that feeling that this is how Mm. I, I picture it in my own head. If I was actually there, you know, even, does that make sense? Um, You know, it's not like a snapshot, you know, it is a really good quality photo. And if anybody out there doesn't remember what this photo looks like, go and check it out again because that's class. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's like, that's what I love. I think that's what kind of makes me um, different from, you know, what I see. It's you're just capturing the vulnerability of people, like them actually doing something and you're not trying to direct too much. You're just capturing what's in front of you. What are, what are your plans for the future? Like where, where, where do you see yourself going next with your photography? Yeah, I, I honestly really would love to open up a natural light studio in Jamaica, where I'm from. Mm-hmm. I would love to do that and continue um, capturing my culture, everyday lives, everyday people. I love doing that. So I want to um, continue a series of that and using my photographs as a voice to, you know, put more awareness of what's going on around in our communities so I think that's the plan for the next few years, just working on that and hopefully to be, you know, published in a popular um, newspaper. I love the New York Times. So I think um, that's kind of like a nice goal that I have too for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, lofty goals as well. I like it. It's great. <laughs> I, like the, I like the natural light um, studio thing because yeah. you don't often hear that, do you? No, it's like, that reminds me of everything. Like, this is, this is funny. Um, I had... um. I built an extension uh, to my house uh, about a year ago, actually, about two, yeah, year and a half ago. And I had a skylight, we had a skylight put in because I kind of thought, you know, I can use this as a little photo studio, like when I'm doing yeah. stuff from home. And uh, I, I thought exactly the same thing. I'd be like, oh, great. You know, uh, be a natural light and awesome. It's always cloudy here. It's always cloudy. <laughs> the light's always crap. But, but not only is it always cloudy, it's inconsistently oh, cloudy as well. God. Right, right. You get patches of light. I know. I yeah. know. That's, that's the tricky part with natural light. It really is. Yeah. It would be cool to have um, a combination of like an outside area, you know, with ways you can manipulate light and then also indoor natural light studio with big windows. I, that would be ideal to have both the best yeah. of both worlds. And I guess if you're doing that in Jamaica, that would be uh, the weather's uh, a little bit nicer than here, right? A little more consistent, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Exactly. Yeah, a little more that's consistent. Cool. Right, right. And the colors so, and the greenery, that's, it's just beautiful to me. It makes, makes me feel alive. Yeah. So if you're considering um, moving back uh, to Jamaica, how, how long have you been in, in Atlanta? Um, I've been in Atlanta since 2006, yeah. I think I wouldn't uh, completely move to Jamaica. I'd probably go back and forth. Yeah, okay. I'd probably um, want to be in both places and maybe a third place. I have family in Florida and Miami too, so 
mm-hmm. you know, hitting all, all locations where family is, because that's most important to me. And, you know, doing what I love to do would be great. That'd be ideal to go back and forth. Amazing. Imagine being able to go back and forth between Atlanta, <laughs> Miami, and Jamaica. Yeah. My, my family only live in cold places. It's- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know, I know, man. I, I don't like the cold at all. I don't, guys. <laughs> yeah, don't come here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so- the culture there is great, though. I do want to visit. Oh, you got, yeah, you have to visit. Have you, have, you, have you ever been to the UK? I haven't been to the UK. I've been to... Uh, France when I was like around nine. So I don't have a great memory of it, but I've been there, but been there once. Oh, you would love it. Yeah. When, when everything's back to normal yeah. and you can actually travel again, that's well yeah. worth it. And if you do, if you do head over here, do look us up. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll, for sure. I will go out on the shoot. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one thing that, that we've just, um, I've recently gotten into a little bit more is street photography mm. and uh london is it's just a, it's a great place for street photography it's just so much so much to shoot um yeah. in fact we um a few weeks ago we decided to go on a little street photography trip um and originally we had planned to go into town i mean we're, we're basically on the outskirts of london here you know? yeah um and so we're, we were planning on going to town that was just when um the covid cases just went through the roof yeah. And we just thought, oh, okay, well, let's let's not do that. And so yeah. we went to the coast uh, instead. So we went to a place called Brighton, which is you know by the by the coast. And yeah. it was a really great day. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah, that was really good fun. Funnily enough, it was cold. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that was that was that was a cracking day. But we went mm-hmm. we went with the intent of uh, well, actually, when we arrived, decided let's gear this up and do black and white today. Um, Yes. And just get your eye in a bit because it's not something we typically no typically do, right? And thought, well, let's practice that. Yeah, the shots right. are a little bit different, you know, you know, the composition, the way the light and contrast works yeah. and whatnot. But um, yeah, it was fun to do that for a change. It's Did definitely you shoot, one uh, architecture, or were you shooting people? Both. Yeah, both. Yeah, both. maybe actually, probably predominantly people, kind uh, of things sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. 50-50 for me, I think yeah. it was in the end. It was, it was one of those things, you know, where um, it's 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 easy to kind of, when when you really get used to controlling the environment all the time in a studio, um, you know, with artificial light and everything else, um, it's very easy to, well, you don't, you really miss out on the spontaneity, you know, and this sort of immediateness of yeah. photography sometimes. And, um and you're really not really documenting anything either, you know, because because mm. you're in a studio environment, you are responsible for every little thing, and that's great, of right. course, if you're shooting if you're shooting food or if you're you know uh, shooting people in a studio and stuff. Um, but but it's very very different. It's actually kind of the polar opposite of of just documenting your environment in a really creative way, you know. Right. Um, and so it was just uh, it was just a, a bit of a challenge, and I think. You know, after I don't even know how many how many months of of actually being really restricted and not being able to go out very much and stuff like that, it was just really like a, a thing that sounded like a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> at the time, you know, it, so. I love doing that. That's one of my favorite things to do: just walking out and and not really have a, a goal, just literally taking a path and photographing whatever is interesting to you. How the light hits a certain 
a building or a shadow or, you know, anything like that, somebody's reaction to what they're doing. And, you know, if you're giving in a personal space, you can get so creative. And then if you're close up, you can ask questions. You can have a conversation with the subject before you put your camera up. So there's so many different uh, outcomes of it. So it's kind of like a thrill. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's, that's, a, um, that's a funny thing, actually, because um, I love the, the interactions that you get um, with other people. Um, sometimes, you know, when, you're, when it becomes obvious that you're taking pictures, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, some time ago, I got a, um, for, for this particular purpose, I got a little, um, a Fuji camera, uh, an, like an X-Series X100. Yeah. Um, and it looks, it looks, it's a very retro looking camera. It's a digital camera, but it's very retro looking. So it looks like a film camera. Right. And the amount of people that will comment on that is, is remarkable, you know, yeah. because it catches people, people's eyes and go like, oh, are you photographing film? Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. wow. But immediately, you know, you've got a conversation going and it's a good kind of conversation starter. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to get more into film. Um, I think it's it's really time consuming to even develop your own film. Oh, yeah. I took a class before and I loved it, but the time to process and develop my own film is just a lot. Um, yeah. But I still want to I still want to dabble into it. It's it's exciting to do that. Yeah, that's that's something we had actually planned for uh, for 2020. 2020 mm -hmm. was going to be the year where um, we uh, we sort of dive into film and see what we could do with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, that never happened. So 2021, eh? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, you still have time. <laughs> yeah. I guess my uh, the last thing I would probably just say is to anyone who wants to do photography and is thinking about it but is scared, just try it out. Just just don't be afraid to fail and and kind of stick to someone who knows what they're doing because a mentor really lifted me out of like even just trying to, to start. Um, I think that's that helped me a lot. Having someone show me, having someone teach me, somebody who's been experienced really helped me make this happen. And it was fun learning from an uh, experienced photographer, Quentin Jackson. He helped me at the very beginning. I, I used to watch a lot of YouTube, but it was different learning from a screen when you can't ask questions back immediately. Mm -hmm. So when you have someone who's going to help you step by step and kind of show you and you can physically do it yourself, that makes all the difference. So mm -hmm. I would advise anyone to have a mentor, keep creating, keep making mistakes, um, Keep your camera with you at all times so that you're always shooting because the more you shoot, you get better. I think that's like something I would always want to tell someone if they're thinking about getting into photography. How did you first get your, like, how, how did you find a mentor at first? So I found a mentor. I had an aunt in Atlanta who um, noticed I took an interest into photography and she just connected me with someone in her network And then that person connected me with him. So it was just like, uh, it trickled down to, oh, well, I know this person. So you should, you know, reach out to them and, and join a, uh, a group that, that gets together every month. Um, it's like a meetup. And that's how it all started. Just um, attending a meetup and listening to everyone's creative advice. And then just, you know, having the courage to ask more questions and to call and to, to hang out and learn more and to go on shoots and, and do shoots that you don't get paid for at the beginning. I think that's like how, how it all started. That's how a lot of people start generally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, um, it's usually, it's a bit like being a musician, you know, you always get asked to bring your guitar to a party. Oh, wow. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
But uh, but you know the meetup thing. I really like that idea. That's, that's something we we should start. Definitely, definitely. And it's well, it's kind of like the photo video chat, right? Mm. To a certain extent. Yeah. Um, so back at the start of lockdown, when we started this podcast, we started a weekly kind of Zoom call where anybody out there could join. Oh, cool. And the idea at the time, right, was to just chat photography, mm. yeah, chat right. videography, and just with you know our intent with it was to get people being creative again. Yeah, people just felt that little slump in that first month of lockdown, and that, yeah. but that's developed um, into more of a kind of tutorial style um, yeah. chat over the last couple of months, right? As one of these things, you know, originally it was literally you know uh, we would get text messages and whatever you know uh, and phone calls. We would talk to people, and you know, and a lot of people would say kind of the same thing. They would say like, "Oh, you know, I haven't, you know, my camera's been in the back for a month. I haven't." Yeah taking it out, you know, cause I can't go and shoot wildlife that I would normally shoot or, or like, um, you know, or events or whatever. Yeah. And so I just totally disillusioned and I feel completely uncreative, you know, and, uh, and I just don't know what to do. And so after listening to a number of people saying the same thing, we kind of thought, you know, what if we just all got together on a zoom call, of course, cause that's what you did. Um, and we'll just talk about it, you know, and we'll just come up with ideas and maybe, you know, you never know something might come out of it, you know? And uh, and that was really cool, and um, and I think it, it started to uh, you know to motivate people again because yeah. you know um, there were lots of, like really lots of like really cool ideas that came out of it. Like mm. you know there was we had this thing where we're like okay how about like how about we find pockets of light around the house? Yeah, you know? follow your dogs. Do something like that. I started yeah, exactly. doing that. Yeah, I started taking photos of my dogs and day in the life of Cola and Diesel, my two dogs, and just kind of like. Yeah doing a series like exactly get into challenge yourself and take photos of what's around you in your house in your backyard that's yeah. definitely what we did here too yeah exactly yeah and you know like it just like lots of stuff like that and then over time um you know when things started to go back a little bit you know when like uh the, the whole lockdown was like eased up and and things went to some you know something resembling normalcy but you know not really yeah. um then it sort of it changed into almost like a, a Photoshop um, tutorial thing every Tuesday night. <laughs> you know, oh, wow. We just we just pick pick another subject like how to cut out hair, you know, or yeah, something. Yeah. And we'll just do that kind of thing. Um, that was really cool, actually. That was fun too. Mm, it's been great. So, yes, yeah. But uh, I like the I like the idea of meetups. So well, I think once we're out of this this age of the Zoom, you know, yeah. then maybe the, people the, can, the better. Yeah. So right. once we can like meet up in person, then that'd yeah. be cool. Right. That's awesome. Cool. Great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your first camera, by the way? It was a little Sony camera that my mom and dad got me in high school. And I started using that. And then I had a friend in college who had a Nikon. Don't like Nikons, but he had a Nikon. <laughs> I would borrow, I would borrow his Nikon and um, play around with it. And then yeah. I remember, I think it was 2012, I got my first uh, Canon T3i Rebel. Right. Yeah. And then I was using that for a long time. I just uh, rented lenses and probably the last two years is when I upgraded to a Canon R. So mm -hmm. I had the Rebel for a while and it, it did me good. It really did. And it, I mean, there were so many cameras after that that came out and I kept to it because I just um, kind of realized that it's not the equipment you use, it's what you do with it. You know what I mean? So I, that kind of was a challenge for myself to just push push my limit with um, something older and utilize what I had for any kind of shoot. 
Yeah. It's I mean, very often that's that's really um, that's really the best thing to do is just to limit yourself to a fifty mil, like one point yeah. eight or something, you know, yeah. like a nifty fifty, and and just do that for a year, you know. Right, it's a big um, challenge. Yeah, yeah. It's my daughter, my youngest daughter. She's uh, she's nine, and she's really getting into photography. Um, oh, nice. And uh, like I I got her a, last Christmas, like a year ago, she got a little Nikon. Um, like it's like a kid's camera, you know, they're like indestructible. Um, it's got like a 16 megapixel uh, sensor on it though. It's it's pretty, wow. it, yeah, That's it's good. pretty decent. Actually, yeah. it takes awesome photos, but it's, right. you know, it's got birds on the front and like, um, it's all colorful, um, but it's shockproof and waterproof and, you nice. know, indestructible, you know, by, for kids basically. Um, right. so she started out with that and now she's like, she's got like, um, she's using one of my, I have like a, like a, like an old, uh, it's a Nikon D5300 or something, you know, like an old yeah. APS-C sensor kind of camera with a 50 mil lens and she's, she's off. Right. Awesome. Sorry about the Nikon comment then. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. We, um, that's awesome. But you know, you're absolutely right. It's it's not about the gear in, in no. any way, shape or form is, is actually the biggest reason we rarely talk about gear with guests that we have on you know and what cameras yeah. do you use it's very rare that actually we get into all of that yeah occasionally we do because it's just normal yeah. natural but we rarely ask because it it doesn't matter it just doesn't whatever you've got does, yeah the only thing that does matter is you knowing how to use what you have Absolutely. so that one side of your brain can be creative and the other side of your brain can say oh i need to move this setting so that i can get this yep. you know Photo. I think those. That's the hard thing because that's what took me a while. It's learning my camera off bat, where I don't have to think about what I need to do. That way, I can capture what I want in the moment. I don't have to stop it. Just learning. Learning the camera is so important. Whatever camera you have. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. That's um. Yeah. It's I use um I use Nikon's in in the studio um usually and then uh, when I'm you know when I'm when I'm out and about um I use I use a Fuji and um I I love the Fuji system. I just you know I love it. Um, yeah. If I hadn't sunk so much money into glass, you know, into Nikon glass, I would yeah. switch in a heartbeat. Um, but yeah. that's really, that's the limiting factor for me is the fact that I've got so much, you know, so much invested into it and it's, it's difficult yeah. to uh, to yeah. switch. But like, there's so many, this like, with the exception of Olympus, maybe. <laughs> I'm not hating on Olympus users here, by the way. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but, you know, you could pick just about any camera brand and actually, you know, I can confidently say that I could achieve anything and everything that I do in photography with just about any camera, actually, you yeah. know, it doesn't really necessarily matter. Even your phone. And, oh, your phone. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Even your phone. I totally agree. I mean, there might be some limitations if you want to get really wide or whatever, or tight, but like, I agree what you said. You can really capture anything with any camera you have. If you, yeah. if you push yourself and maybe if you have the right small accessories, but sure. yeah. I think low light was, was my challenge with my Rebel. It was hard to capture things silently and in low light because the camera just really couldn't do it. I would have to be on a tripod or I'd have to, you know, be far away so it would be so loud if it was in an intimate setting. Mm. So those things were the only challenges I had with my my Rebel when I first started was trying to be silent and then trying to capture something in an intimate lighting where I don't want to use a flash, you know what I mean? That was the biggest thing for me why yeah. change cameras. It's funny you mentioned low light because I was actually, the, I had exactly the same challenge when I first kind of made that step into professional photography. Um, and that was because I, I started shooting um, concerts, you know, in like low light 
um, scenarios. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, it's low light on one hand, but it's also very fast changing light. And then you have people who move very fast on stage in mm -hmm. really crappy lighting conditions. And that's, yeah. that's, uh, that's the hardest thing uh, mm -hmm. to really capture. And, um, and, uh, and that's, that's when I realized that, that my, you know, APS-C sensor, like consumer Nikon camera, um, wasn't cutting it, right. um, anymore. And that's, that's kind of when I, when I went on to, um, to a Nikon D750 at the time, which at the time was really the kind of go-to camera for that sort of specific scenario. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as I, as I found out, um, after that was that actually it's a, you know, it's a pretty decent camera for just about anything you want to do. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, and that's, that's, that's what kind of sort of bound me into that system at a time. Um, yeah. you know, there's, but there's so many great cameras around at the moment. I mean, you know, Canon's, uh, latest, uh, mirrorless cameras are fantastic. You know, they're yeah. phenomenal. The R5 is probably the best mirrorless camera out yeah. there. Like Fuji have incredible cameras. The X-T4 is awesome. Yeah. Um, their GFX system is, you know, incredible. Yeah. Like, uh, um, Sony's cameras are amazing. I, I would, I would, I would have gotten a Sony, but because I already had Canon lenses, I didn't want to fully change. The only thing with the Sony, they're so heavy. They're great cameras, but they're heavy for me. So I realized when I was using it, my wrist started to hurt. And I was just like, well, I love Canon. I know, you know, how to use it. The configuration of where buttons are were great for me. Yeah. So I was just like, let me stick to it. But I do love Sony cameras too. Listen, really again, you make a really good point there because very often it's it's about the camera that fits you, you know. You, and yeah. um, and I find I actually find the same thing with um, on one hand. Uh, with Nikon's, I'm really familiar with them because I've used them for a long time and I know where all the buttons are. As like you said, and especially in the menu as well, I know where everything is in the menu. Right. Um, and then w when I shoot a Fuji, I like the fact that everything's mechanical on it. Like you know, mm -hmm. you've got rather than having menu, you know, buttons or whatever, everything has a dial or something. Like in like a really old fashioned kind of camera. But the actual menu is horrendous. I mean, I don't know what they were thinking, <laughs> honestly. Like who came up with that? That menu structure is diabolical yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> so yeah. i still i've shot that fuji for what two years nearly yeah. a year and a half or something i still can't get my head around that that oh, um, i want to try it i haven't i haven't played around with the fuji before fuji fuji's have fun i mean it's just i love taking that that x100 um yeah. x100f that i that i have um it's a camera that i take out i want to shoot you know it's like yeah. i'm like um it, it just makes it exciting yeah, you know, I'm looking to that. That's cool. It's uh, yeah, it's a fun. It's a really fun street. I think street photography kind of camera. Um, yeah. You know, I just I just love using it, and that's sometimes that's it, that's what it is like when you you hold the tool in your hand, and it just makes it just gives you that excitement about photography. Then yeah, you know. I just got this little thing um, Christmas. It's um the G seven X Mark III. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I I um. I like it because it's small and I could literally wear it on my neck and just shoot and take it everywhere. Yeah. So, um, with my R it's kind of big and I really want to like, I'm really, you know, careful about it. Cause I don't want to see anything to happen to it. Yeah. And then I got this disposable film camera by manual. I don't know if you guys heard of it. Oh, I've seen this recently. Yeah. So I'm going to play around with that too. It has like 24 shots in there. So I just like to, like you said, play around with different things, test things out, and just just have fun. Yeah, I was yeah. I was also like, around Christmas, of course. I was looking at Polaroids yeah. and like Fuji <laughs> Instax. Yeah, I love those. You know, 
So um, I was I was so close to pulling the trigger on on a Polaroid. <laughs> you should get it. You should get it. It'd be fun. You get that instant uh, satisfaction when you see the photo after. Yeah, I mean that's that's basically. I think 2021 is going to be this thing. Um, I'm definitely going to do something um, in the kind of instant, um, you know, instant film kind of world. I'm just I'm not 100. percent I haven't made up my mind uh, as to whether I'm going to sort of. Uh, go with Polaroid or whether I'm whether I'm going to get like a, a Fuji Instax camera because there's there's pros and cons to both systems basically, yeah. Um, and I just have to kind of mull it over a little bit. You know, cost is a big one. Uh, Polaroid mm-hmm. the film is probably twice as expensive as a, as a Fuji uh, film. That's, that's one of the yeah. one of the considerations. You know, um, but I don't know. I mean, it's you know, it's definitely on the cards for this yeah. year. Like it's like I said earlier, my daughter had this like you know little Nikon with the with the um, birds and Paris and stuff on the front of it. When we do get out on the street again, mm. take some photos, that's the camera Ooh, you're bringing. I should take that. That's yeah. a really great yeah, idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. Definitely. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Yeah. I'm going to take, I'm, I'm not going to shoot anyone. I'm just going to shoot you shooting with that camera. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. We should yeah. actually make a little short movie out of Done. that. <laughs> See? This is the great thing good. about this podcast. I always come up with great ideas. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Wicked. We, we also, we're going to credit you for giving us that idea for sure. There you go. Let me see the final uh, outcome of it too. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a deal, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> we'll definitely do that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, it was fantastic uh, having you having you on the show. Um, and uh, and again, you know, we've we've learned a ton of things. Yeah. Um, it was a you know, it was great. Um, I, you know, when I first when I first saw you know. So it was happening, and I and I kind of thought, you know, that'd be that'd be you know, really interesting to talk to you. I never in a million years thought that you would agree to come on on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you know, it's even more amazing uh, that we had this opportunity. Um, we're you know we're a small uh, a small podcast, obviously, and uh, I'm uh, I'm 100 sure that uh, our listeners uh, and our viewers on YouTube will love this episode. So thank you very much for, for coming on and talking to us. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. It was fun talking to you guys. Let me know if you, you know, want to get together again. Oh, for sure. Definitely. 100%. Chris, thank you so much. Um, for all of you listening to the audio version, of course, uh, make sure you head over to YouTube, give us a little subscribe, uh, hit that subscribe button, bell thing, whatever that is. Um, <laughs> leave a comment. Um, and and before I forget, if you are listening to this show from Perth, Australia, we definitely want to hear from you. Um, I say this in every every week we uh, we shout out one you know one of our listeners. The thing is like in the um, in the analytics, we, there's a little world map and we can see where people are when they listen to us. And it's it's super exciting for us to see people pop up in different places in the world. So we've just noticed that there's somebody in Perth, Australia, who seems to be listening to the show. So if that is you, uh, please get in touch. You can uh, email us at cameraShakePodcast at gmail.com or just uh, hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash CameraShakePodcast. Or we're on Instagram at CameraShakePodcast. Uh, what a surprise. Or even on Twitter. Uh, if you're on Twitter, uh, our Twitter handle is at shake camera weirdly um so send us a message in any way shape or form um tie a note to a pigeon send it over don't care but if you're in perth get in touch so 
That being said, that was uh, episode 37 of the Camera Shake Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it uh, with our special guest, Chris Alex, this week. And we'll be back with episode 38 next week. Bye.